Now today I'm going to talk to you about a man who I believe the song evidence over my life. Everybody can probably think back to times where you just see God moving over your life. You can look back over time and see where God was moving, that he's seen you through the bad days and he's seen you into the next day and you can just see God doing something. Well, the man that I'm talking to you today was Peter. And Peter could look back, I believe, over time and be a witness today that I see the evidence all over my life that God was with me and that he cared for me and that he loved me. I, I, I also want to ask you this morning, have you ever wanted a second chance? Have you ever wanted a chance to do it over? A chance to say, I, I just want a new start and a new, new path. Well, let me tell you something, my friend. I know sometimes we get up on a Sunday morning and we treat it like any other day, but you have been blessed today to be able to get out of your seat and out of your bed to be able to come to God's house and to worship our Lord and our Savior. And I believe no matter who you are today, you say, well, Brandon, I come in here week after week and I leave the same. You have a new chance today. You say, Brandon, I come into this house every single Sunday and I leave here with the same sin that I, I came in here with. My friend, you have a new chance today. God is the giver of a second chance today if you are here in God's house. You are alive and you are breathing and you have been blessed to have a second chance. Now, I hope and pray that you don't gamble with that second chance because you are not guaranteed another chance after this moment and this second. This moment and this second is special because every single week we have different people. Every single week we have a different group in the balcony and we have a different group downstairs. There's never the exact same people every single week. Maybe we gain some, maybe we lose some, but you know what is special today? We only get one day that is today. There might be only one moment where we are just like this in history and it is this moment. Now what are we going to do with it? Amen. I believe that God is calling out this morning. I believe that God is ready to do something. I'm re I believe wholeheartedly that God is ready to bust the door wide open of Hillcrest Baptist Church. I'm telling you that. I believe wholeheartedly that God is ready to knock down walls out of people's life. I, do, I believe that he's ready to knock sin out of people's life. And I believe that he's ready to save people today. Amen? That's why we're here. We're here for Jesus and Jesus only. I know we have a lot of programs. Amen. I am happy to have the programs, but we are here for one reason, and that is to lift up our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's something that no program can do. There's a lot of things that no, nothing we can't, but there's only one Jesus, and that is why we are here. And so many times we come into God's house and we say, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to do my thing. I am begging you, friend, for just a moment to open your heart to open your mind, to say, God, speak to me. Amen? Peter, I believe as we come up on Easter, he would have said one thing. He said, what Easter means to me, and if he stood right here with you guys, I believe that Peter would look at you this morning. He said, you know what Easter means to me? It means a second chance. Peter needed a second chance. We need that. And I hope and pray today, this is going to be maybe all over the place. i got a lot of different scriptures. Just hold on. But I'm hoping that by the time this is over, you can see what God was doing with Peter. And what God was doing with Peter, he wants to do with you today. And I, I just pray 
that we let God move. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your blessings that you give us. Thank you for the choir this morning. Lord, sometimes we take, we take that for granted. Lord, how great it is to hear your word praised and just to hear people praising at the top of their lungs. Lord, this world is so nasty and it's so ugly and how great it is to come into a place and worship you and to forget about the bad for just a moment. Lord, I pray, God, today that there's people changed in this room. Lord, I'm coming to you today believing by faith that you can still move, that you are still changing lives, that you are still convicting and you can still bust down walls that seem unbreakable. Lord, I'm coming to you today by faith, Lord, that you are the one that can Brandon Patton can't, but you can. And Lord, I remember the day you convicted my heart, and I prayed today that you do that to us today. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for all that you do. Forgive us, we fail you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first mention that we have of Peter is in Mark 1, 14 through 18. Now, I want you all to be turning a Mark and Matthew is where we're going to be most of the time, so you all go back and forth. But Mark 1 is where we first see Peter in verse 14. It says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now he that walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, as we go through this scripture, there's, there's one word I want you to focus on, and that's the word I. Now, that, that I, you're going to see a lot of different eyes. You're going to see a lot of eyes coming from Peter, and you're going to see a lot of eyes coming from Christ. Well, I believe today that's what God is wanting us to do. He's wanting us to take the I out of our life and put the I on the great I am. Amen. And Peter, all through the, his, the moment that he called, was called, God was teaching Peter to follow me. Now, we know Peter's life. We know how Peter was. I believe God gave us Peter for a reason. He was kind of like a good old boy. I mean, I believe Peter, he was a fisherman. He was a loud mouth. He, he had bad breath because he stuck his foot in his mouth all the time. Amen. He was that kind of guy. Peter, we can relate to him. I see myself in Peter, and I believe most of you do too. There's times where we're wanting to follow Jesus, and then before you know it, we're ahead, and we're worried about I, and we're not worried about the great I am, and all of a sudden God says it's about me. Put your eyes on me, amen? But in the very moment Peter was introduced by Andrew to Jesus, John was in prison, Jesus was gathering his disciples together. They were fishermen, and God came across the Sea of Galilee on the shore, I want you to put that in your head now because where we're going to end is where we begin. Because the moment that Jesus called him, he's on the shore, he sees his disciples over here and they're working. And he says, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Let me ask you something today. Have you ever met a fisher that don't fish? Have you ever met a fisher that don't fish? Well, God called not only Peter to be a fisherman, but I believe when he called you and he saved you, he called you also to be a fisher of men. Now, why don't we fish? We claim something. 
Oh, we claim Jesus. We say, oh, I'm a fisher of men. God, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. But when he tells us to actually do something, oh, no, I'm going to draw back. Amen. But when God called Peter, he said, Peter, follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And the Bible says that Peter dropped all that he had. He got rid of his fishing pole. He stepped out of the boat, and he followed Jesus. He had no clue where he was going. He had no clue where God was going to lead him. He had no clue what the future held. He had absolutely no clue other than he knew this man was different, and he was going to follow him, and he says, Lord, I'll follow you. And I don't know where we're going to go. But Jesus said, you just keep your eyes on me and I'm going to take care of all of it. Amen. The next three years after they forsook their nets, not knowing where they may go, Jesus started to mold Peter. He started to make Peter into something only he could. He's seen through the roughness of Peter. He's seen through, like some people might have looked at Peter and said, man, he's just a smart aleck. Jesus said, that's a man that I can use. He said, well, he just runs his mouth. I believe that's a man that I can use to speak one day. He said, oh, I can look through the roughness of Peter and I can see what I can make him. Well, don't you know that today that God can look through your roughness and see what he can do with you? Guys, I am a living testimony that if God can use this, if God can use, I, I joke about it all the time to the youth. When I was a senior in high school, I finished, we had about 300 kids in our senior class. The day come our senior year where we got our report of where we stood in our classes. You know, I thought I was always okay. I was always, Lord, I'm in the middle at least. We got our reports, and I was 294 out of 311 in high school. And before, I thought that was funny. You know, I thought I was the kid that thought it was funny to sleep in class. I thought it was funny to be the kid that didn't pay attention. I thought it was funny to be the kid that had a little smart elegance to him. I thought, it was ki- I thought it was funny, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, I made bad grades, and I do the, oh, I don't care. That day came where I seen that 294 out of 300, and I was ashamed of myself. I said, how in the world did I do that? But I'm standing before you today to say that if God can use somebody that ain't that smart, that don't have that good a grammar, that is not the best theologian that you're ever going to hear, if God can use me, he can use every single one of you even mightier and better. But so many times we put limitations on what God can do. We say, God can't use me. He uh, He doesn't know who I am or my limitations or what he got. Yes, he does. He knows exactly who you are, and he knows exactly what he's going to get glory from because he says, oh, yeah, this kid that can't hardly talk, this kid that's got a stutter, this kid that I can't think right, let me tell you something, I'm going to use him, and I'm going to get glory for using him. Amen? God can use, and I believe that he looked into Peter's life and said, that's the kind of man I can use. He made Peter a leader, uh, and often Peter was up and he was down. Go ahead and turn to Matthew 14. Matthew 14, starting in verse 26. And we're not going to hit all of Peter's life, but we're going to hit some highlights. 14, starting in verse 26. It says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. 
But straightway Jesus unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come onto the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, Oh, of little faith, where did thou doubt? We see the great story that we all know from childhood of Jesus walking on the sea to his disciples. What an amazing thing that must have been. Can you imagine being on a, uh, even a lake, Center Hill Lake or whatever, and a storm come rolling up and the boat is toppling and the boat is going left and the boat is going right. And you start to get afraid like, man, our, our little John boat's about to sink, you know. And all of a sudden in that moment you look out and you start to see a figure walking on the water. How crazy must that have been and how fearful I would have been. They said it was a ghost. It's a spirit. And they look out and they're like, hey, there's somebody stair-stepping over the waves coming towards us. And in that moment, Peter looks out and he says, it's Jesus. Jesus is coming towards us on the, on the water. And Jesus gets closer and he gets closer and he gets closer. And then Peter, the one that is the leader, the one that has started to put himself ahead, the one that God's going to use, says, God... Let me step out of the boat and come to you. What amazing faith that is to be able to get out of the boat, to be able to step out and say, God, let me come after you. But what I want you to focus on, because in that moment, Peter was focused on Jesus. Jesus, I'm looking at you, and he's looking at him. And Jesus is just like, come on, Peter. But then just like all of us, we start to look left. We start to look right, and we start to see the obstacles instead of the obstacle breaker. And then immediately as he grabs Jesus, he starts to sink. He starts to fall, and his eyes were off of Jesus. And Jesus grabbed him by the arm after Peter said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus picked him up out of the water. What a story. What an amazing life that Peter got to live. Imagine you seeing the miracles that Peter got to see. Imagine being there when he got to see dead people raised. Imagine seeing the deaf getting to hear. Imagine seeing the blind getting to see. Imagine getting to see all of these things. And you say, well, Brendan, if that was me, I would be pretty pumped up to follow Jesus too. I mean, Peter got to see amazing things. And I believe wholeheartedly that Peter never in a million years ever thought it would be any different. And I think a lot of you today never thought it would be different. The day that you surrendered your life to Jesus, you said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I, I'm, I'm excited. I feel your Holy Spirit. I felt you saved me. And I'm never going to waver from that. But then the wind came. And then the water came. And then the distractions came. And all of a sudden, you don't read the Bible like you used to. All of a sudden, you don't pray like you used to. All of a sudden, you don't have that feeling like you used to when you're walking with Jesus and you say, oh, Brandon, I never thought I would ever get here, but you're here. We're going to keep fast-forwarding 
Matthew 16, verse, starting in verse 13. I believe that this is the turning of Peter. God is getting him ready. This is a Caesarea in Philippi. The cross was looming. The days of the miracles are almost gone. Jesus' ministry had been going like this, and now it is at the peak, and it's coming down towards the cross. Jesus is about to get real with his disciples. He's about to get real with Peter. Look in verse 31. No, verse 13, I'm sorry. It says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of God, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And saith unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon of Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to you, but by my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, I believe right now Peter's feeling pretty good. I have, I have walked to Jesus on the sea. He, he grabbed me. He said he would, never, he would never let me go. I've seen the miracles. I've even done probably a few. I have been there. I have experienced it. I am living on a high. And then Jesus comes with, I think, some of the most hard scriptures in all the word. Who do men say that I am? Well, you're this or you're that. You're this. No, Peter, okay. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is today? We talked about that last week, that we've made God into a God of our own liking. We've made God into a God of our own image. But he's the God of the Bible, not the God out of your image. Now, who have you made God to be then? You say, well, Brandon, I, I, I serve the one true God. Who, does you, who do you say that God is? And the way that you answer that determines your destiny. Who is Jesus to you? Not to the person to the left, not to the person to the right. When Jesus is looking right at you tonight and this morning, who do you say that I am? Who is he? Who is Jesus? Now, Peter had to answer that question. And you know, and Peter answered it real well. God, you are the one and the only. You are the Alpha, the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. Lord, I, you are the Messiah. You are the one. You are the truth. And Lord, I'm trusting only you. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, well done. It's not that you came to that. It's because I've put it in you to know that. My spirit has revealed that to you, Peter. And I think Peter was like... I'm doing good. I'm Jesus' favorite. I'm never going to do anything bad, and I'm going to be on the rock in which he stands. I'm going to get to help build the church. It's going to be amazing, and it's going to be wonderful. But God knew. He had all, he's already in tomorrow, y'all. He's already looking into the future, y'all. He knows what's coming. He's trying to prepare Peter today for tomorrow. 
because he can already look into time and he says, Peter, my day is coming where I'm not going to be here anymore. And I don't think Peter ever really understood that. What do you mean, God, you're not going to be here? No, God, you, you, I've seen you heal the dead. I have seen you do the miracles. I've seen you walk on water. And I've seen me walk on water. What do you mean you're not always going to be here? You're about to take over. I mean, and I've got my little sword right here, and I'm going to be the first one to kill whoever needs to be killed for you. He's not going to die. And even though Jesus kept telling him and telling him, Peter, I'm not always going to be with you. There's going to be a day where I have to go where more can come through my Holy Spirit. I did, but he didn't understand it. He didn't get it. But he said, well done. And I believe that Peter left that meeting saying, I am ready. I'm ready, Lord. Let's fast forward. Matthew 26, starting in verse 31. Matthew 26, starting in verse 31. Then we come up to the last week of Jesus. The triumphal entry. Palm Sunday. Can you imagine being there? Can you imagine Jesus saying, hey, we're going to the city. Jesus knows that in just a week, he's going to be dead. In just a week, he's going to be on a cross. In just a week, all the scripture will be fulfilled. And Jesus has taken his disciples into Jerusalem. And these disciples are behind Jesus. And they see all the palm trees getting laid out. They see the people saying, Hosanna! 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 Lord Messiah! And I think Peter was like, this is awesome. He was like, man, I'm getting to be a part of this. Jesus is finally, he is showing up and he is showing out and everybody's going to get a part of what Jesus is and who he is and what he's about to do. I don't believe at all that Peter knew that in just a short amount of time he was going to experience the worst days of his life. But as he followed Jesus and he was going into the, the city, it was just a few days later that they had their last supper. Here in just a few weeks, we're going we're gonna to have our Lord's Supper. Peter didn't know that in that moment, that might have been the last time that he was going to get to experience any kind of moment with Jesus. The way that it was. The way that it used to be. Because life was about to change so much. Look in verse 31. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. He's telling them, I'm going to be rose again. I'm coming back. But Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee. Look at these eyes, guys. Yet I will never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this night before the cock crow that shall deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet I 
Yet will I not deny thee, likewise also said all the disciples. Do you believe that Peter meant that? I believe he meant it. I believe that he meant that he was never going to deny Jesus. In his mind and in his heart, he knew that he was going to fight the whole way. He never once ever doubted that, you know what? No, Jesus, we've went this far. We're going to go all the way. I'm with you. I will not deny you. I will not. I will stand when nobody else will stand. But Jesus, after his triumphal entry, everything's going good. Peter's saying this is wonderful, but a lot can change in a week. The Last Supper, we see Jesus' betrayal. We see Peter's vow, and he meant it but he focused on one thing that he shouldn't have, and that was I. God, I won't. See, some of you here today, we get to so much focus on I, and we say, God, I will never do it. I, I never will. But we have found ourselves in a place that we never thought we would. We're living in a way that we shouldn't live. We have found ourselves in a place that we shouldn't be. We have found ourselves in a place where I have got myself into because our eyes have been off of Jesus. I'm looking at things that I shouldn't look at. I've done this. I've done that. And you never in a million years ever thought you would fall where you have fallen. But you're there. Are you with me? God, I will never do this. I will go with you. Are you with Jesus today? Or have you done the same thing Peter did? God, I will never. Yes, you have. Every time you go to school, guys, and you deny the name of Jesus, you have denied him. Every single time we go to work, and we know that God's wanting us to call and wanting us to speak to somebody or to tell our testimony to somebody or say, hey, I know a man named Jesus who saved my life, but yet God's calling you to be a fisher of men. And that moment comes where you know you should, but you say, I'm scared. I'm not. You've denied him. Every time that you're looking at something that you shouldn't and you know that it is bad and you know that it is wrong, God, I deny you. So many times we think that God don't see what we're doing, but he sees. And every single time that we bring God into our filth, because he belongs to you, you are dragging him into your filth with you. And we think he's okay with it. He's not okay with it. And Peter... Wholeheartedly, never in a million years, guys, ever thought that he would deny Jesus. But he found himself in a place that he never thought he would go. Matthew 26, starting in verse 69. Now, Peter sat without in the palace. Now, Jesus has been taken. Peter has done, uh, uh, Judas has given the kiss. They have taken Jesus. Now, Peter, the ear has been cut off. Peter already tried to fight. Jesus put the ear back on Amalekus, and he's probably like, what in the world, Jesus? <laughs> They're the enemy. 
Why are you going to put the ear back on? Eh, ain't that confusing? But Jesus said, I didn't come to rage war. I came to save this man. Now Peter sat without in the palace. And a damsel came unto him saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter said, He denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him that they stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art one of them. For thy speech bewayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not thee, man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which saith unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Guys, imagine... Put yourself in the place of Peter. You are the one that he called from the shore. You are the one that he said, follow me. You are the one that stepped out of the boat to trust in him. You are the one that just a few weeks before said, God, you are the Lord. I will go where you want me to go and I will never leave you. You are the Christ. And then in just this short of a time, You're denying Jesus. Jesus has been arrested. Jesus is now on trial with Caiaphas. The accusations, the false witnesses, they're hitting Jesus in the face. They're pulling out his beard. They're spitting on him. They're saying, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, do something. Oh, you're so big, you, you, you healed the blind, but you can't even save yourself. You are false. You say, well, Brandon, I don't deny Jesus. What is the world calling our Jesus today? That he is false? That he isn't who he says that he is? You got people at your schools and at your work saying his name in vain? They talk any which way they want about him? And where are the Christians? You say, I don't deny him, but you deny him every single day. And we said, God, I never in a million years ever thought I'd be here. Peter didn't either. And if Peter can fall into this, we can too. If Peter can do this, we can as well. He was spit on. He was made fun of. And I believe Peter stood in the corner and he said, Jesus, show him. Show him. Show him something, Jesus. Smite him. Kill him. Take him down. I know you can. But Jesus stood there. And he let them spit on him. He let them rail on him. He just took it. And Peter must have in that moment said, is he who I said, who did I give my life to? I can't believe that he would just sat there. Maybe he was weak. 
maybe he really wasn't who I thought he was. And the Bible says in Luke 22, and Jesus looked at him. Imagine us standing in the same spot as Peter every time we deny his name by the way that we live. And Jesus looks right at you. The eyes are looking at us. Jesus knows every single second of every single moment, and he knows. And how it must break his heart when the people that he died for deny his name. And Peter in that moment fell to his knees. Oh God, what have I done? We live in a society now that we no longer care about what God thinks. We sin and laugh. Peter has denied. The I will has now turned into the what have I done. The last vision of Jesus that Peter ever had was Jesus being nailed to the cross. And he I must have in his mind those sleepless nights to say I will never get another chance. I have denied him. I will never get to speak to him again. I can't believe that they've nailed my Jesus to the cross. And the last thing, Jesus looked at me square in the face and I denied him. And I said that I would go with him. And I didn't. I'll never get to say sorry to him again. Many have fallen into a life of what have I done. There's people here today that have fallen into a life of what have I done. I'm not where I want to be. I have denied him. I don't live for him. Aren't you glad today that the story isn't over? You should get a hallelujah about that because Peter thought the story was over. But the story isn't over. John 21, starting in verse 1. John 21, and I'm going to try to hurry as fast as I can. I know we got a lot going on today, but John 21, starting in verse 1. I'm not going to read all of it. Let's go down. To four. But when the morning was now come, let's go to three. I like to start with three. Here we go. Simon Peter said unto them, I go fishing. He went back to what he was doing. Jesus is dead. Jesus is gone. And I'm what 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 must I do to go back to the same life I was at? But I, I think what he he don't realize is how good God is, and he went right back to the place where God found him. And God was about to go to a, bring him to a place where only he could. And there's a lot of you here today, if you want to find Jesus, you need to go back to the place where you found him. All through scripture, God called his people back to Bethel, back to a place, back to an altar where they left God. 
And there's a lot of people here today that have been living and they've been doing whatever, but it is time to go back to Bethel where you found God. Go back to that day when Jesus saved you. Go back to that day where he was convicting your heart. Go back to that day where you surrendered to him. Go back to that day when Jesus said, I love you. I died for you. And you said, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. Go back to where God wants you to be. It ain't God that has left. It's you that has left him. God is still in the same holy place. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's us that get away from God. And so many times we're like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Go back to the place where you first knew him. John 21, as we continue, then Jesus said unto them, children, have you not any meat? And answered and said, no. But he said unto them, cast your net into the right side of the ship and you shall find that they cast therefore. And now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. And Peter was like, this is familiar. Jesus is dead. Jesus is gone. But now Jesus is alive. He is walking he is back, and he is on the sea, and he's calling out to Peter again, right where I found you. Peter, I love you. Now, I want you to throw, remember this, Peter, put your fish, look on the other side of the boat, and I'm going to give you some fish. And Peter, in his mind, must have said, Lord, this is familiar. I've been here before. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, get this, it is is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat into him, for he was naked. I don't know why he was naked. <laughs> but he cast himself into the sea. And the Bible says that he swam to the shore as fast as he possibly could because he said, Jesus, I never in a million years ever thought I'd be here standing before you again. Jesus, I never thought that I would be able to kneel to you again. Jesus, I never in a million years ever thought that I could say sorry. I never thought I would get a second chance. And then we see what Jesus said to him. In verse 18 and 19, it says, Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou was young, thou girdest thyself, and you walkest where thou wouldest. God was preparing him in this conversation because he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And what did Peter say? Oh, God, you know I love you. I love you. Okay, Peter. Look at verse 18 and 19. Guys, this is what I want you to understand. Is the first time Peter was called, he had no clue where he was going. He was just following Jesus by faith. He had no clue. Now Jesus speaks to Peter again, and he's going to tell Peter exactly where he's going. He said, Peter, verse 18, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. You know what Peter said? 
You know what Jesus said to him? You're going to die, Peter. You're going to give your life for me, Peter. Lord, where am I going to go? Peter, I'm going to tell you. Do you love me? It's going to cost. And not only is it going to cost, it's going to cost you your life. Are you willing to go, Peter? We don't see an argument. All we see is Peter said, God, I love you. And I don't, it doesn't matter where we go. I'm going to be right there. Lord, I want to go where you want me to go. I'm going to be what you want me to be. And I'm going to say what you want me to say. And we see that the future is bright because we see just in a little bit of time in Acts, we see the whole church born out of a man who was a denier. The man that his moment could have ended bad, but it ended with a second chance. And he took advantage of that second chance. Today is a second chance for some of you. It is a day to repent. It is a day to be saved. It is a day to stop focusing on the I in your life and focus on the great I am in your life. God is greater than your failures and he is greater than all of your sin. Do you know that? And all I'm asking you today, and I believe if God was here today, he said, I don't care what the past is. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care if even this morning you got up and sinned. I don't care if at this very moment you're sitting here laughing or you're sitting here giggling. I don't care. I'm giving you a second chance. I'm giving you a second chance right now. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. God says, I'll forgive you past, and I will start you off on a new slate. Now, it is up to us to take that second chance. Now, there's people here today that are lost, and you come in here week after week after week after week after week, and you leave after here week after week after week after week. Brandon, I'm so scared what they're going to think of me. It don't matter what people think of you. If God is calling you by name, you surrender to Jesus that can save you. Come, come to Jesus. And you say, well, Brandon, I know I'm saved, but I haven't been living right. You have been given a second chance to repent, to say, God, set me back on the path in which you need me to go. Lord, I'm ready to be living for you, Jesus. I'm tired of being defeated by the sin that I'm in. Lord, set me straight. Because guess what? We serve a Jesus who is alive. He's not dead. We hadn't given our life to a dead Christ, but we've given our life to a risen Christ. And there is no better time to be saved than today in this moment because you don't have another chance, not guaranteed after this. But how amazing it is that God has given us a second chance today. Now, whatever, I know this is another hard sermon, but I believe God, this is what God wanted me to preach this morning. We have found ourselves in a place that we never ever million thought, ever thought we'd ever be. But we're there. But I want you to understand that God is greater than all of your sin. And before we close, and before we go into invitation, I want you to think of three hands. So many times we're saying, God, what do we do? How do I be saved? What do I do? The Bible says that you must come by faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. He says, Lord, and you're saved by grace. God's riches at at Christ's expense. But I want you to imagine some hands coming down to you today. There's people here that are hanging off a cliff. You're about to fall. 
You don't know where to go. You don't know what to turn. You have found yourself in a place of despair. But I want you to imagine a hand that comes up over that cliff in that very moment. And this hand reaches down, and there's several different hands. There's, there's a hand that says, man, I'll take you. It's, uh, and you say, well, Brandon, I'll take that hand. It's the hand of works. And you say, well, Brandon, I'll take that hand of works. That means I'll be the best I can be. I'll do what I can do. I'll go to church. I'll get baptized. I'll do all that. And I'm going to grab that hand, and that's going to be enough to get me to heaven. And all of a sudden, you grab that hand, and all of a sudden, that hand lets you go, and you fall to your death. And you say, well, okay, well, Brandon, I'm going to grab this other hand. And this other hand, man, it's, that's, my, that's, that's, like, man, that's my family's hand. That's my dad's hand. My dad ain't never going to let me fall. I don't know if they, he was a good Christian, therefore I'm going to get to go to heaven. I'm going to grab that hand, and even that hand lets you fall. And you start to grab all these hands. But then there's one hand that comes over. And it's the one that you don't want to grab. It's bloody. It's nasty. It's got nail prints in the middle of it. And this hand comes over and says, take my hand, trusting in only nothing else to save you besides this hand. And in that moment, you have nowhere to go but to grab that one bloody hand. And you, your hand hits that hand and it locks you like nobody else has ever locked you. And it said it pulls you up to safety. And you realize... It was Jesus. And Jesus has saved your life. And now what do you do? You have a choice. Jesus is there. He has saved you. He's saying, Lord, come to me. Lord, I'll follow you. You've saved my life. I owe you mine. Guys, come to Jesus. It's time to get real at Hillcrest Baptist Church. It's time to get real at Hillcrest Baptist Church. It's time to quit going through the motions of this place. Amen. It is time to quit looking at how great our church is and how wonderful it is and how strong it is. Ain't none of that going to get us a second in heaven. You know that? Only by the blood of Jesus can we be saved. We're going to go into a moment of invitation. Y'all, y'all come. Whatever God is calling you to do, come. I don't care what it is. That's between you and God. This altar is between you and God. It ain't, it ain't nothing to do with my business. It is you and Jesus. And you come. If God is calling you by name, and He is calling you your heart to say, Brendan, I'm convicted. I don't want to sit here in my sin. I know I'm lost. Then you come down this aisle by faith, and I would love to pray with you. Brother David would love to pray with you. Chris would love to pray with you. But you've got to take one step of faith, and God will take it the rest of the way. But you come putting your faith in only a Savior that can save you. Amen?